It has given me a window into the extravagant love of God for me. And I have experienced God's love in a new way. So I, I feel that most people we've known personally have been really wise and discerning and so kind. So as far as a do, do text the person, but also add no need to respond. That's something people did for me that I wouldn't have ever thought to do in the past. Yes. I would just not text someone because you know that life is full or they're trying to make treatment decisions. But so friends would text a verse or been praying for you today. No need to respond. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we welcome back to the studio Stacy Loftus and Pat McClurkin. The last time we got together, we were talking about these ladies' journey with ovarian cancer. And they both had gotten the same diagnosis, but some of the dynamics of their cancer was a little different. Stacy was telling us right at the top of the pandemic, was dealing with the diagnosis, with her children at home, six children, homeschooling. At the time, I guess five of them you were homeschooling. Yeah, four. Four, four of them mm-hmm. you were homeschooling. Of course, Pat McClurkin, who hosts the Friday Viewpoint here on Bot Radio Network each Friday, is with us. Pat, you, a year earlier, walked the journey of ovarian cancer yourself. I did. And Stacy was so much help to me because she gave me some wonderful material books by a man named Chris Wark, and I'll let her tell you a little more about him. And they became like a cancer Bible to me. And what I want to encourage people with, you've got to be your own advocate. You can't just let a doctor tell you something and not research and find things and Stacy was a real warrior with that and she would recommend things to me and I would go get them or order them online or sometimes she would just buy them for me or loan them to me which I usually didn't return because I said no I need to keep this book because uh, I look at it all the time but um, you've got to be your own advocate when you have cancer and my doctor told me when I was diagnosed he said you have a strong faith You have a great family, because he had met most of them, and you have a great attitude, and that's what you've got to have. And he told me to live every day as if I was going to live, and I think I've done that Mm -hmm. pretty much. I never missed working out. He told me to go to the gym every day. Even when I was on chemo, I went. You were still working, too. And I was working, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and working was great because it forced me to go out and to be with people, and it was a joy to wait on my customers and all of that. So you have to choose yes. to live if you have cancer and not focus on dying. And I think Stacy would agree with that. Mm-hmm. If you focus on dying, you're going to be defeated. Well, you mentioned some of the resources, the book by this cancer survivor. We're going to provide some of the resources. I know Stacy has several that have helped you in your journey that we want to talk about. Toward the end of the show, we're going to bring those up. One of the things, Stacey, I, I want to mention while between programs and doing our recording today, you mentioned to me it was in the middle of you going through treatment that your husband, Mark, lost his dad. He found out that he had cancer. That's right, and so it's the like same when, time I did. But when it rains, it pours. Yes, yes. It was just excruciating because um, his dad lived in East Tennessee. So Mark was trying to figure out, after his dad received his diagnosis of colon cancer, he was trying to figure out how to get over there to see him. But I was in the middle of treatment and had just a lot of fatigue spent a lot of time in bed. I had to have a lot of quiet. Um, I just wasn't well. And then just the emotional toll of everything is just very difficult. Um, The mental aspect of dealing with the diagnosis is just as challenging as the physical ones. And so, yeah, so when my father-in-law passed, I was early December and I wasn't able to go to the funeral. 
So my husband and my boys went and the girls stayed at home with me and Mary Catherine, our oldest, came home because it turned out I had to have a blood transfusion the day of my father-in-law's funeral. So we watched it on a FaceTime video live feed while I was getting a blood transfusion. So, so yes, just like I said, lots and lots of tears, just um, lots to grieve. And we grieved in hope. His um, dad was a strong believer, and we know we're going to see him again. Yes. And that really in the blink of an eye. So we're, we're thankful that he's no longer suffering and that he's whole and well with Jesus. How do the things that you look at at life, I know you both love the Lord, have faith in Christ, you trust Christ as your Savior and Lord, but how does something like walking through cancer change the priorities? Things that were so important to you before become so unimportant. I began not to ask God why, but I asked God to glorify himself through what we were going through. Because if God, I wanted God to get the glory. And Byron, I pray that he would use me in other people's lives. You know, Cecil will tell you, I'm a real people person, and you know that. And I, I wanted to help people. I wanted to encourage them. Almost every day, there's a new diagnosis of someone we know mm-hmm. at church that's got an illness, whether it was COVID or cancer. And I wanted to be that person that helped them to see that you didn't have to have a death sentence. And when I went to West Clinic, they always recognized me because I got dressed up like I was a I like a visitor or an employee. I didn't want to be a patient, and they would laugh at me. No gym pants for you then. No gym pants. I wanted. I didn't want to be a patient. I wanted to feel good and to believe that God was going to use me. Now, did I know whether or not I was going to live a long time or I'm going to live five years or ten years? I don't know that, but God does, and I don't think about it because only God knows when my last day on this earth is, and I want to live every day to the fullest. So that's the way I did. I just chose to focus on life and I'm living and you know of course my husband's ill and that was hard too because just like Stacy will tell you it changed everything for me as far as what I could do and not do but he's a trooper he loves the Lord and uh, uh, he takes care of himself but there were so many things but most of all I think both of us wanted to glorify the Lord through this we did not want people to see us as living a defeated life or not able to withstand what we were going through and we wanted the children to see that i wanted all my grandchildren in fact i have to tell you one sweet thing before i forget i wanted to see all my grandchildren before i had surgery i don't know if i thought i might die during surgery or what but i wanted to see them all and i saw everybody but mary Catherine. mark was at the hospital with me and i said mark i didn't get to see mary Catherine." and so he must have i don't know if he called her i don't know how it happened but they surprised me and all of a sudden i looked in the door and there she walked in best (laughs) present she ever gave me she drove all the way from franklin tennessee because i wanted to see all my grandchildren before i had surgery and the lord worked that out for me so you just focus on things that make you happy and bring you joy and you look at what you have and not what you don't have and it changes your priorities greatly Well, some of our listeners and viewers, too, might remember as we opened up our first show, we read a letter from Mary Catherine, Mm -hmm. one that she had posted about her concerns and sharing the faithfulness of God, but also how you were living out your faith in Mm -hmm. the middle of a storm that was pretty brutal, you know? Yes. Yeah. My, My children have heard me cry out to God in tears. You know, as far as what it's changed, it, it does change everything. You can view a diagnosis as we mentioned a death sentence, or you can view it as an opportunity. And really, Pat and I, we kind of talk about this season in life as our second chance life, that we have an opportunity 
in this season to walk in and live in fresh truths that God has imprinted on our hearts. And I know during my chemotherapy and right after my surgery, when I've been the most unwell um, and most fragile and very vulnerable, the times I've had with the Lord in the early mornings have been very, very sweet. And I have found comfort in that space. I've, I've kept a journal that has prayers I've prayed, um, gratitude, concerns for my kids, scripture that's encouraged me. I've just written it all down, but that time in the Lord has never been so sweet. I had never seen my need so greatly. Yes, yes. And so he, he brought me to a place where I've seen that need in a fresh way. And, you know, the hymn, I need thee every hour, that phrase, I need thee every hour, has stayed with me. I've never felt it so acutely. Well, you know, the Bible says that laughter is medicine to the soul. In the middle of all that was happening to you both in your cancer, were there things that you were able to laugh at through that time? I'm not very good at laughing. I need to learn to laugh at myself more. So that has been something I have to work towards. I'm very analytical. I'm probably better at laughing than yes, she is. Yes, you are. And yeah, and Pat's a laughing. great storyteller. Pat remembers the funniest things. She remembers all the fun and funny things. And I don't. So I, I love when Pat tells a story of something she remembers years well, gone by. I, love I just know that fear probably was my greatest enemy because Satan loves to make us afraid. So I would look up all the scriptures on fear because fear can consume you. And then you begin to think, what if? And I remember in one of the books Stacy gave me, he said, every time you have a pain does not mean you have cancer in that spot. You just are having a pain there. You know, live every day in victory. Live every day well. And you were talking about those cancer cells on yesterday's program. Well, the bad cells want to eat the good cells. So one of the suggestions was you just visualize the good cells getting rid of the bad cells, you know. (laughs) And so some of it you just have to realize that you can't live that way. I can't live as though... I'm going to die. I have to live as though I'm going to live. And you plan things and you do things and you have yes. the kids over and you take them out to eat and you grill out together. I mean, you plan things as though you're going to be yes. here it's yeah. the 4th of July and Christmas and all of that. See, I think I've wrestled because I'm in a different season of life and because my kids are still at home. So there's the day to day care that needs to be going on. And, you know, I had a neighbor and friends that took my kids and, and Pat did, too, actually taking the girls to get clothes as they outgrew their ones because I couldn't take them shopping. I couldn't do any shopping at all, and in part because the pandemics. That kept me home more than, um, than she ended up having to stay at home while she was undergoing her treatments. So the season of life, I, I know the diagnosis brought urgency yes. because I'm still raising my children. And so my prayer is, Lord, may I live to see my children's children. So that's another big difference. You know, she's in a season of life where she's waiting on great grandchildren. You know, yeah. she wants to live for those great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Or seeing the weddings I, of the grandchildren that I already have yes. or their yeah. graduation sure. from high school. Yes. You know, you think about all those things. Well, I know you've both had your family, of course, close friends, the church to come alongside and minister to you and do mm-hmm. some extraordinary service and giftings and provisions of meals and so many different things. Often people mean well, but they may say the wrong things or do something in an effort to help, but becomes more of a burden to you. Uh, what are some do's and don'ts for those responding to the needs of a friend or a loved one with cancer? That's a great question. And I feel overall, um, the love that we have both received, the word I would use to describe it is extravagant. It has given me a window into the extravagant love of God for me. 
and I have experienced God's love in a new way. So I, I feel that most people we've known personally have been really wise and discerning and so kind. So as far as a do, do text the person, but also add no need to respond. That's something people did for me that I wouldn't have ever thought to do in the past. Yes. I would just not text someone because you know that life is full or they're trying to make treatment decisions. But so friends would text a verse or been praying for you today. No need to respond. Wow. Just letting me know that I was on their heart. And so even if I didn't have time to look at the texts that day, I've been able to go back and look and, and respond as I'm able because I definitely the gratitude being able to express thanks to people is um, is a healing gift too uh, it, and it's reminding me I'm in the middle of that now writing notes and it reminds me afresh of God's love and how and he's it's, it's just it. like on Facebook social media when you have a birthday and yes. all these great wishes for your birthday yes. uh-huh. and you feel like you've got to, it's your birthday you're trying to enjoy but you feel like you need to respond to all these you know yes, that's right. blanket statement but when yeah. you're having transfusions or if you're having you know yeah. all this going on your body's so weak mm-hmm. yeah you're not going to be able to respond yeah you know, I had nephews and nieces send me links to songs that were encouraging that blessed them and that was a sweet gift because I would as I was able I would open that link and listen to the song that they shared with me uh, another niece um, bought me a subscription Subscription to the Bible app called Dwell that reads the Bible out loud to you. You can pick any passage. And there are times that I felt too sick to read the Bible myself, but I, I could look up Psalm and have it read in, in different accents and dialects. You know, I wanted to ask you about music because aren't you the saxophone player? I am one of the saxophone yeah. players. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So music has always been something special to your family. Yes, where you kind of connect and yes. how did that play a role in your mental health in the process of dealing uh, with your cancer? Yeah, very much. But actually, at, at the very beginning, I was so ill that the only kind of music I could really listen to were instruments instrumental hymns or um or spa music i had to listen to my body was working so hard to heal that i could not handle much noise i couldn't even handle jazz which i love but i just had everything had to just be very quiet and still she hasn't lost her voice though i sat next to her in church sunday she's got it she needs to to be in the choir it came back and i'm so grateful to be able to sing to the lord if she doesn't go up there soon i'm going to speak to jim whitman myself but one of the things i would say byron is people they don't mean to but when they treat you as though you're not going to live I, I think sometimes people they don't mean that but they'll say well what stage did you have or they'll mm-hmm. ask you questions like that you know those are bad questions to ask because you know you just don't need to hear anything that's not encouraging or that's yeah. not positive and i have one friend who stacy knows uh, lisa kettler you know her too and she's musical too and she's so funny and she makes me laugh all the time and that is great great medicine to be around somebody who makes you laugh all the time because you feel so fresh or something Mm -hmm. i can't describe it or even the kids make me laugh especially tessa i'm just saying people need to be careful not to ask those questions because don't remind people that they're sick treat them like they're well yes okay when they're talking to you or when you're having a conversation treat people like they're well yeah 
you both have made life changes, I know, since mm-hmm. cancer. Where are you in, in your treatment? I mean, you, are you continuing treatment for your yes. cancer? Yes, well, I'm finished with – so I had three cycles of chemotherapy and then surgery and then three more cycles of chemotherapy. And now I'm on what they call a maintenance medicine uh, that is specific to um, individuals that have that BRCA1 or 2 gene. So that that's where I am. Um, I go on Thursday for more blood work. But I really haven't had to make a lot of trips to the doctor the past month, which has been a blessing because I feel like I lived at West Clinic for the past eight months. Yeah. There's just so just life was just full of appointments right. and nothing but appointments. So um, from here, it's a wait and see. Nobody uses the word cure now. Now at Mayo, they did. They did act as if you know cure is possible. Here, not so much. So. You know, going back to our you know, previous question, you asked about just things changing. It's learning to live in uncertainty, accepting my limits, accepting that I don't have control, but yes. God does. Yes. And that's in a different, whole different level of that. But things like diet. I mean, you've changed yes. several things. Yeah. So when I was first diagnosed, because of some information, uh, the gentleman we've been speaking about, uh, his name, he's, he's a brother in Christ. His name is Chris Wark. He's a local fella who um, had stage three colon cancer that had metastasized to some of his lymph nodes. He had surgery, but chose not to do chemotherapy. And he was 27 years old when he was diagnosed. And he chose to share his healing journey through a book called Chris Beat Cancer. And he also has a morning devotional called Beat Cancer Daily that was just published this year. And I've got both of them, as does Pat. And um, so he encourages people to get off of um, dairy, sugar, and meat. You know, there's that saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So a challenge when you receive a diagnosis that is uh, life-threatening is trying to figure out what, well, what in my life has fed this illness and what can I do differently to take better care of my body? So um, I had 30 days. Um, I also began juicing. Um, I was able to get a, a champion juicer, and we're running it every day right now with the carrots and celery and apples and beets and um, turmeric root and ginger. And God, yeah. I mean, we are, and it's basically to f- use food as medicine. And, and you know, it, it's a leap of faith. It's trusting God that, Lord, you've given me this body. You say it's my temple. I'm trusting you for healing. So I'm going to, in the belief that you're able, I'm going to fuel my body and my life. I'm going to make sure I get enough rest. I'm going to exercise. And I'm going to eat things that come from the earth, not from a factory and not from a box. I do think that's helped me weather all of it that's helped me with the chemotherapy, um, you know, to get through it and, and not get sick. Because I, I, too, like Pat, we made it through our treatments without ending up in the hospital, you know, other than for our surgeries. And, and that's no small thing. So um, having material like that to allow you to help yourself, yes. it, it takes away the the victim mindset that this is something that happened to me um, that I can't control. Um, it's been a blessing to have some action steps. And Chris calls it massive, being willing to take massive action, right. action steps to be an advocate, as Pat mentioned earlier. Um, for, you do have for to be yourself. your own advocate yes. or have someone to help you. Because when she first gave me that book, he had so many vitamins in there. I said, Stacy, I can't even buy all these vitamins. <laughs> so, uh, but we worked through them, and yes. I saw which ones worked for me. Yes. And I take about 18 a day. Do you? 
I do. She takes more than that. There so supplements. And supplements. And so, but we don't have, and, and I can't emphasize this enough, our journeys were different because hers is genetic. I was tested. Mine was not. So it, it's a different treatment for both of us. It, it was just different. And so we, we can have compare some things, but not everything. I want to uh, take a moment and talk about standing on the promises. I know that both of you have leaned greatly on God's Word. Where in Scripture did you find some of your greatest strength and hope? Maybe when you're at your weakest moment. I know you both got some Scriptures. Yes. Well, from the very beginning, a a friend, we ended up with two copies of Red Sea Rules um, by Robert Morgan. So Mark got a copy of his own, and I got a copy of my own, and we read through that. And uh, one of the reminders in there, which we loved because we felt like we were between an army chasing us down in the Red Sea. We, we felt trapped, you know, when, when we first got my diagnosis. So Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And, you know, I'm, I'm an answers girl. I like to do the homework. I like to find the answers. And I like to solve problems. And this just has felt like something that no one could give me any clear-cut path through. Right. And so that was a verse um, from the beginning for us that we have leaned heavily on. And the other one was Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. As I made the decision to do chemotherapy, which was not an easy decision to make, so I kind of straddled both the holistic world as well as conventional treatment. There are no integrative care practitioners in this area of the country. A truly integrative, holistic cancer practitioner or provider or healthcare provider can direct you in natural things, the supplements to take. There's things like there's mistletoe injections, there's high dose vitamin C. There are approved alternative treatments that can lessen the side effects of chemotherapy. So they work in a complementary way. But in this part of the country, we don't really have anyone that um, and in the city that you can go to say, okay, this is what I'm going through. What can you do to help my body while it's undergoing this? So, wow. so, the, so the decision to do chemotherapy was difficult. I would love to have felt confident enough or even have had faith enough that I'm just going to go the holistic route. So as I started chemotherapy, this is my verse from Isaiah. But now this says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then in verse 4, it said, Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. I needed those those reminders desperately. desperately. Oh, Stacy, we all need those reminders in our life. We mm. need that in this life. You know, for me, the Red Sea Rules book was mm-hmm. is precious to me. In fact, it's in my car today because I ordered the Bible study book to do it, and I forgot to bring it up here. But, you know, it was so clear to me that I could not see God's purpose, nor could I see his plan. But when you read the story of how he brought the people out of Egypt mm-hmm. and how he did it, God clearly got the glory. And so I learned early on, God wants the glory for what he's going to do in mine and Stacy's life. And I think that both of us want him to have it. We want God to use us. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to just say, okay, I went through this for nothing. But I want God to use me to help other people. And I saw 
all through Scripture, he was my stronghold. He was my refuge. I could depend upon him, and he was going to take care of me. And I looked all the Scriptures up about anxiety and worry, because it's hard not to be anxious and not to worry about yourself. when you're, Even if you're not sick like I wasn't, I still knew I had cancer, and it's difficult. And you always have that dreaded visit at West for your PET scan yes. every three yeah. months. I haven't had one yet, but, right. I'm but I'm, I've got one coming up. And you have that dreaded visit because that PET scan shows everything about you, and you just want to hear the words. It was perfect, you know. That's right. <laughs> and so um, I would encourage people that are going through cancer. Chris says this in his book, and I'll never forget it. He said, maybe things didn't change for the better, but they didn't change for the worse. So you're doing good because maybe they're not where you want to be, but you didn't get any worse. And he is so encouraging in that book. Mm-hmm. that I call my cancer Bible, and it's really helped me a lot uh, along with Scripture. But I think we all battle, and I'm sure Stacy did, anxiety and worry. And so, you know, God says to be anxious for nothing. Worry is stress. And my doctor has said to me over and over again, and I don't know how Stacy and I managed to have so much stress in one year, but we did. But he said stress, diet, and not having a strong faith – they contribute to not getting well when you have cancer. And he said to me, Pat, you're the only person that can remove the stress from your life. Nobody else can do it for you. And that's a hard thing to do. It's wow. difficult, especially if you have ill people in your family or if you have yes. children or they're going through a difficult time. And there are a lot of people out there, I understand, that are going through much worse than what we went through. But I'm grateful for every day I'm alive. And it's a good thing to wake up every morning and say, God, thank you. I'm alive. And yes. I can make this day mm-hmm. work yeah. for you. Pat. Stacy, God bless you, my dear sisters. Thank you so much for coming these last two programs and sharing your journey with cancer and the faithfulness of our great God in the middle of the storm that you've gone through, and, and not just the cancer, but these other things that have come your way, too. And each of our listeners right now, maybe, friend, you're facing a deep valley or a storm. It's through Jesus Christ our hope. Jesus said, in this life you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. We overcome the world through our relationship with Jesus Christ, just totally leaning and trusting, relying on him totally. And I hope you, if you're not at that place, I hope you will come to that place where you lean on him. And the story of these ladies here and their journey with cancer will help encourage you the way they are learning to overcome, learning to to fight and live life to the fullest each day as God has given us to live. We want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. And I hope this program encourages a lot of people. Yes. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.